right. Welcome, everybody. Thank you, Sue, for joining us. Glad to have you here today. I'm thrilled. So the reason that we connected is because we're both huge on knowing who you are and pushing that out into the markets. And then you did a great piece on how this brand awareness really affects the M&A process. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I'm going to jump all over it. And I said, you're getting on uh, a recorded conversation and we're going to talk about this because I'd like to kind of work through this. But before we jump in, I just want to give a brief intro into you. And this is not a commercial. It's because there's a lot of people out there who give their opinions. And you've been doing this for over 30 years, brand strategy, brand awareness, brand marketing. And so it's more of a source of validator or val sorry, validator of source than it is a, a commercial. But so, Sue, you're the, the founder and owner of Brandstrong Marketing. Uh, and you can find her on LinkedIn on brandstrongmarketing.com. But really what you do, if I have it right, is, is that one-on-one -on -one brand strategy and marketing coaching, right? You do client research and interviews. You market, you do market analysis, and, and really all of that is to facilitate a clearly delineated mission, vision, uh, ultimately your, your value, I think is, is as you put it. Um, and that's to make marketing, messaging, communications, all of that more impactful from the, the organization. Exactly. Okay, good, good. I did a, I did a good intro there. You did a great job. Um, <laughs> And what we want to really talk about today, because it's just a massive Venn diagram overlap between our worlds, is how that brand awareness and really knowing who you are as a brand can affect m and My initial point that I throw out to you is everybody understands that you go into m and it's important to know who you are, what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, we walk our clients through this all the time. And that facilitates, I guess what you're thinking is, is greater clarification. So these are all surface level theoretical. We know these things, right? It's good for you to put this process in place. The piece that kind of caught me a little bit was the, the, the how early it seems that you're implying this should occur. Yes. And so kind of give me your thoughts and we can dive into the article, but give me your thoughts on clients that you've worked with in the M&A process and why you think, I think you, you called it brand management was really the word you, effective brand management. Right. What is effective brand management when you're talking about an M&A process in particular? Yes. So ideally, like you were talking about, it's a timing issue. So, you know, any merger and acquisition um, transaction or deal should take the vision of the organization that's kind of leading this particular transaction and say, this is going to make us stronger. It's going to make us more uh, able to serve our clients, enter new markets. It's going um, to open new doors for us. There has to be a rationale behind why these two entities are coming together. And so you really need to align the brand strategy and the business strategy because they're two sides of the same coin in yep. essence. Uh, one is more internal focus, the business strategy versus the brand is the voice of the business strategy and it's more external focused. But if you, if you look at the merger and acquisition um, timeline, I suggest, which unfortunately a lot of times doesn't happen, but I suggest when you're, when you're auditing a company that you're looking to acquire or merge with, you take a look at the brand as part of that due diligence process. Because if you find that the company that you're trying to merge with has 
um, their employees, their culture, the vision, the mission is just a complete 180 from what your organization is doing. You are going to have a much harder time trying to integrate the culture and come up with a story of why this organization is going to be bigger and better and keep the internal employees motivated and keep the external employees happy that they're still going to be getting the same great service that they were getting beforehand. So, um, so people in our space would look at that statement and go, of course, you know, that's what we, we, we understand the brand that is making the acquisition and we want to understand the, the target that we're looking to integrate and acquire and integrate and that seems like that's, yeah, that's standard business. That's what we should do. But some of the things you talked about in your article almost say that that's just as important for the acquiring company. At least that's the way I read it. Maybe I, maybe I, I had my own spin there. But it's just as important for the acquiring company to figure all of this out, even before they really jump into the acquisition process. So when you say, you know what, this is what I'm trying to get at. You say, as a CEO, Mr. Executive, Mr. Bossman, Mr. Hefe, right? I'm going to buy and go, we're going to go acquire a new company. I think that's our growth strategy. You're thinking that it, that is the point that brand marketing, brand awareness needs to begin with someone like you. I mean, yes, you can do it internally, but, you know, kind of, kind of walk me through what you think that should look like in an ideal world. Sure. In an ideal world, um, it would be that brand strategy, brand management gets a seat at the table when you're talking about um, this particular M&A transaction or deal and what you want to go forward. So what I would do if I was there with the CEO would be to say to him or her, hey, let's take a look at this organization that you're trying to either acquire or merge with and say, what brands do they have? What's the equity behind their brand? Does the market know this brand incredibly well? Does it know it better than your brand? Yeah. And if that's the case, hmm, maybe we need to take a look at naming and, and figure out, do we change the name of your company? Because really? the other company's brand is so much stronger. And so, so yeah, what you're talking about is, is what we call goodwill in the space. Goodwill brand it's equity. Not a, not a physical asset, but just... It's not a physical asset, but it does have financial ramifications to it. So um, if a customer is absolutely in love with a brand and a company that then gets acquired and they change the brand, it sometimes causes customers to kind of back off and say, huh, I loved that company and now it's different because the brand was one of the biggest flag sig signals that something was different. So, but I would definitely take a look at the, the main name of the brand. I would take a look at what's, what's the vision of how these two companies coming together are going to move forward stronger and better than if we had not gone through this transaction, because that's going to be the foundation in what you can talk about yeah. when you're not allowed to talk about certain things during the process. You can always talk about what your vision is and what you hope is going to happen. And that gets the troops rallied behind why this is necessary um, to move forward. The other thing is to look at the brands that you might be acquiring. So I worked with a client in the past, in the past that was a holding company, and they were buying a lot of mom and pop small companies that created auto accessories. Um, and once they had all this portfolio put together of all these small companies, they realized they had overlapping brands. Some brands were known in the marketplace, some were not. And they really kind of needed to take a look at the brand architecture that they had now amassed to say, wow, which ones of these brands are really well known? And which ones do we keep? And there's no way that we're going to have to put that we're going to want to put money into supporting all of these brands. So what can we do? Which brands can we kill off? Which brands can we merge? Or which brands are we going to say this 
these are the ones that have the most equity that we're going to move forward on. So it's, and it's, it's one of those things where if uh, anytime there's a merger and acquisition, you know, you come in, you do an IT audit, you do a financial mm-hmm. audit, you do an operational yeah. audit, you should also be doing a brand audit just to say, is there synergy? Is there connective tissue that's, that we can build on when we bring these two organizations together and do what we're acquiring, whether it be brands, people, process, customer, is what we're acquiring going to move our brand and vision forward? And yeah. if it is, then we have an amazing story to tell. And, and a lot of people will look at, a lot of, of executives look at that in a process and M&A professionals, and they look through those things. How is this going to reflect on us? How is this going to affect, affect employees? How is it going to affect customers? The part that I'd even take you back to the Genesis block of, of, of what I really agreed with was when you go to make the acquisition, company A is acquiring, that is making the acquisition, that even sitting down with their customers. So you do a ton of customer research. You yes. go out, you learn about the, co- the company, you develop branding and marketing, but then you go to the customers, the top 10, 15, 20, 30 customers and say, what do you love the most? Yep. But you're even taking that type of strategy and analysis all the way back to the genesis of, we're just starting to think we're going to make an acquisition and the acquiring company should do this. Not even just... It, it, not even when they're going, not, not just when they're going to make the acquisition. No, you're right. You're right. It's, it's so much stronger if, if the acquiring company, company A, like you said, has a very clearly defined brand. Because then it'll be easy to look through that branding strategic lens to say, yes, acquiring this firm is going to move our brand forward. It's going to strengthen it. It's going to make it uh, much more strong in the marketplace and allow us to achieve our objectives. So Yes, it would be extremely important to know what your brand is before you start going out and looking around to see where you want to acquire. Because you may be thinking, I should be acquiring this firm and we're moving into this market. But really, if you sat back and really had a clear understanding and validation from your existing customer base on who you are, how you position, what people value you for, maybe that wouldn't have been the right direction to take. Maybe wasn't the right company to merge with, we should have merged with this other company because there's a lot more ROI um, and they value what we offer a lot more than trying to break into this other market. So, And, and as we've said, I'm, I'm repeating myself a little bit, a lot of individuals in this space do that, but mm-hmm. the actual strategy and the analysis portion of that, I think is what I really want to impose on people. So going from the theoretical to the practical, if you walked in and worked with a company and they said, we're ready to make an acquisition, we are so brilliant to have called you and <laughs> it's coming off like a commercial, but it's not because I would absolutely love it. And they said, we're working with a brand strategist, walk me through what that would look like and, and, and give us the secret sauce because it, give, give your secrets away to the, mm-hmm. the small and medium businesses that will listen to this and who think that an acquisition strategy might be for them. What would you do with them that they need to do? Because you talked about bringing in the marketing team. Well, if you're making an acquisition, a lot of times executives don't want the team knowing until you know, right. a, a certain closure period or exactly. when an LOI is signed. Right. So walk me through what you might work with, with the executives, the strategy, how you build that out. Yeah. So it's a little bit different with a smaller, um, let's say, private firm than it would be with a large public firm. Yeah, of course. You have to deal with, um, you know, FCC regulations and what you can say and what you can't say and things like that. But mm-hmm. I definitely for a small mid-sized firm, I would go in and talk with the CEO and say, all right, 
we need to get the story straight. We need to start making um, sure that we've taken a pulse of what the customers think. And we don't have to say that we're, we're, we're going through this acquisition or we're yeah. merging with a company, but just kind of get the pulse and say, hey, if we were able to do this, which hopefully you're able to do that because you're going down this yeah. path. Or provide more services. Provide more services or, or be able to help take you into a new market and things like that. What would that mean to your organization? Mm. Try and okay. get positive feedback um, from your customer base and even maybe from your employees. You, you know, maybe not um, frontline employees, but definitely the executive team is to talk a little bit about, you know, if we were to expand, if we were to uh, merge with another firm and we were able to do this, this, and this, how exciting would that be? Wouldn't that get us closer to our vision? Is everybody on the same page? Are there any red flags that you see that I, as the CEO, haven't thought of at this point? Um, and being able to pull that together. So, so I kind of work with the CEO to say, let's have those conversations and I can have the conversations if they don't want to do it. I can have it as the third party objective person on the outside, yeah. uh, you know, to, to go in and, and get that, pull that data out of everybody and those insights. But it would be to sit down and say, okay, the, the environment is right for this to happen. We, we planted a couple seeds. It doesn't seem like it's going to upset the cart too much. Um, with what's going on internally, as well as with your existing customer base. Now, I would also then say, when you're getting really close to deciding that you want to do this or not, I would suggest even um, allowing someone like me to go in and talk to the executive team or some of the employees on the company you're going to acquire. Mm -hmm. And that's where I can kind of dig out, are there synergies between your culture? Is there, or is or is there really going to be a huge change management effort that needs to go on after we bring all these people together um, to make sure that they're all on the same page? But um, would, would definitely say is, okay, internally, CEO, what is your brand? What is your vision? What are you hoping that this transaction is going to accomplish for you? I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to maybe the, your executive team, maybe some employees and kind of, you know, uh, plant some seeds and see if I can get some validation that yeah, this is, this is going to be good. They're going to be yeah. excited. This and, and it'll make you feel good about going forward. And then I'm also going to sit with them and say, okay, if this goes through, what are like the five key messages that we want to get across about why this is fantastic for the organization? Because those are going to be the foundation for the day one communication. Most people just think about, um, especially a lot with small and mid-sized businesses, they just think, oh, well, we'll put a press release together um, and, and we'll, just, we'll just post it online that, that we came together. But really, no, day one communication is way more complex than that. You've got to change the way people answer the phones, right? You've got to um, send emails or personal phone calls, or you need to decide how you're going to do outreach to your customers, as well as to the company that you're um, acquiring, their customers. Um, you also need to talk about how are we going to announce all of this to the employees? Are you going to have a big all-employee meeting, bringing everybody together, or are you going to announce it internally first and then go um, and talk to the acquiring company employees and things like that? Um, and, and also, no, I was going to say, go ahead. <laughs> That's always <laughs> the lovely part about these, right? When you're not in person. Um, yeah. And so you're you're getting now into what we would call integration. That's I think you know Brad Ferris. He's become yes. a good friend of mine. And Brad and I are gonna record a conversation around the morning after. Awesome. And 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 that's what you're pointing to. So you're talking about not only do we prep 
the, the, the company that's making the acquisitions, the parent company. And then we're, we're managing communication along the way. But really, we ramp up into that third stage, which is post-closing mm-hmm. and integration. And that, I mean, you're handling this from a, 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 like a project management standpoint in the mm-hmm. fact that you're getting shareholders buy, uh, shareholder buy-in, you're getting everything to be written out and outlined and, and time-stamped. Um, you know, so I think that that is, is a critical piece that a lot of people don't think about. They think that closing is the end right. of it. They think it is the end point and it's not. And that's where the brand can be amazing to use as a, a rallying cry or, or a point on the horizon that gets people excited about where you're yep. going. And, and it gets you through the, the change is hard. Nobody likes change, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can keep your eye on the prize and know what that prize is, it makes it so much easier to go through the tough transition periods um, where, where you're implementing somebody else's process or, or, you know, that's not the way we did meetings before, but now, okay, now that we're part of your organization, we'll do the meetings that way. Um, but, but as long as you can keep saying, here's where we're going, we know this is going to be a little bit painful, but stick with us because this is where we're going. And, and that I think is what the brand is fantastic for, um, is rallying them. And then it's also fantastic for turning around and saying, okay, customers, we can offer you new services, or we're now entering a brand new market, and here we are, and here's the value that we provide you, um, and using the brand um, to do that. And, and so really, you are, you're outlining all the shareholders, and then developing a plan for each one of those shareholders. Here's what we need to do for your uh, uh, target company. Mm-hmm. Here's what we need to do for your customers. Acquiring company, here's what we need to do for your customers. Employees, here's what we need to do for you. Executives, here's what we need to do for you. Uh, going to market and telling people about this and releasing this, here's what we're going to do for you. And making sure that every one of those pieces have the same elements and structures. Right. And, and do you even, and I would think that you working with that new brand, I wonder, have you ever worked with someone prior to closing? Because that would seem like the best time to do it. But then it's really tricky because you just never know what's going to happen. Right. right. I, I have. But in general, um, well, here's the funny thing is I was talking about uh, when, when I'm out at a networking meeting and, and people are like, oh, you know, who are you looking for to work with? And I said, oh, well, I'm looking for small and mid-sized businesses that are going, you know, about to go through emergent and acquisition for the second time. And the reason I say that is because they blew it the first time <laughs> and they know that. And so they're willing to say, yes, we have to work with you before closing day. Um, We have to get this, uh, we have to get the communication ready. We have to get how we're going to roll it out um, to customers and things like that. And so um, if if I can get in front of someone and talk to them about how it would help them not make the mistakes of the past, they will bring me in before closing day. A lot of times, um, nobody thinks about it, though, until they, you know, because you're so focused. It's not a knack or knock on anyone. It's just you're so focused on the operational piece, the financial piece, the legal piece, you know, that you just don't think about the communications and the branding until it's all done. And then you're like, okay, we can take a breath. Now we can go and talk about marketing. But depending on what the gap is, you could have lost some of the customers from the company you're acquiring because nobody reached out to them on a certain day. And, you know, and, and they decided, Oh, well, things are different. Things are changing. I'm going to go to, I'm going to jump to the competition. Or or you mentioned employees, which we see it definitely occurs. Client retention is affected. And, you know, so I I forget some of the other pieces that you mentioned that uh, culture, making sure Mm -hmm. I'm looking at your article now. Yeah. Um, 
but all of those things that will just really impact the bottom line. So when somebody watches this and they say, why do I need to do this? We, there's clear ROI to, to doing right. something like this. And it, it, exactly, there's clear ROI. I mean, how many people do you know or how many people I've talked to who've been, yeah, we acquired this firm and event, you know, over the next six months, all the employees vacated, the cut, we lost maybe most of the customers that we were hoping to acquire. And it's like, well, what did you do to retain them? I mean, what did you do to reach out and communicate and try and say, the whole value of this transaction was built into that. You're either buying the people, the process, or access um, to customers or technology. So if it was people and, and customers, well, you got to hang on to that. And, and, and communication and rallying around the brand is definitely a way that you can do that. Um, and it doesn't have to be elaborate. So when we talk about, like you were mentioning, doing research and all this kind of stuff, it could be a couple of conversations. Yeah, it could is. be talking to five to 10 people, but just getting a pulse of what's out there um, in terms of fears or in terms of what people are excited about. And then bringing that back to the executive team to say, we are ready to rock and roll, or we need to address this right now um, before it gets out of control. And you start to see the ROI on this deal plummet. And I won't give exact percentages, but I would say roughly... 10%, maybe 15% really have a strategy built around this and actually do this. And I guarantee you that they could share the ROIs that they found from that. I would say another 50% plus, it's just my guess, but let's say 50%, don't start thinking about this until maybe a month or so from closing. And they think, well, we need to mark, we need to brand this. We need to get this out to everybody, get everybody kind of in place and ready to roll out. Right. Um, but the statistic you shared that I don't want to share, but I will because truth is, <laughs> truth is truth, but I want to validate this, this uh, statistic. And you said several organizations have published studies saying anywhere from 60 to 83% of all mergers fail or are unsuccessful in creating value. I mean, that is a tremendous number. It is a tremendous number. And it's, it's, not, it's not divided between large companies, small companies, and things like that. It's an aggregate number, but it's frightening. It, it's because there's so much money and effort and energy and resources that go into these deals that why, why wouldn't you put a little extra effort up front into all aspects of what needs to be integrated and coordinated and communicated in order to make this uh, transaction have the ROI that you're looking for? And you're talking about employee statements. You're talking about press releases. You're talking about internal communications. You're talking about even what I find is critical in working with my clients is to go really deep in why are you looking to do this? Because when I convey this to targets, mm -hmm. they do, they want to know, why are you doing this? How do I play into this? And, but that's usually the top two, one to two positions in a company right. and how that all flows downhill, I think. Is, is something that, especially today, I mean, I, tell me your thoughts, but in terms of marketing that we're yeah. seeing in, in this generation, the dissemin of dissemination of information, yeah. this seems more critical than ever because people all feel that they're entitled to know everything from the, the very top to the very bottom. It's, I should know all of you should share all of this with me. Right, right. And they also have the ability to then go express their displeasure online if they feel they were ignored or uh, ultimately ended up maybe not making the cut when these two companies came together or things like that. So you have to manage that. Um, you know, you can't, you can't shut it all down completely. People have the, you know, the right and the ability to talk about um, 
what they want to talk about. But like you said, if you can go in and nip that in the bud up front and, and talk about the fact that, no, no, I, I hear you. I, as the CEO and the executive team, yeah. we hear you and we're going to be open and we're going to communicate why this is happening because we all want to make sure that this strategy propels the company forward and explain that's the biggest thing is explaining not so much why it's great for the company, but why is it even good for the employee? You know, take, take it from their point of view to say, hey, if we grow, there's more opportunities for you to move up into management. Or if we grow, there's more opportunities for profit sharing if that's something that the organization does. Or, or and, if, and if you don't, Susie from company A can just take your job. So get on right. the ball here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but there's, you know, it's, it's again, anytime you have to look at, as you said, shareholders and stakeholders and say, what do they want to know about what's going on? Customers either want to know that there's exciting new things coming down the pike that they yeah. can take advantage of, or they want to know that nothing is changing. That, and I that- love that because doing that, you might think, oh, let's get integrated, right? Let, let's Something closes in December, January 1 through January 30. Let's get everything integrated together. You know, February, we'll really start getting some messaging out there. But by then, in today's market, that might be way too late. Yeah. Even if you didn't do something wrong, people like to find things that you could have done wrong. So getting ahead of that for everybody is, is huge. What about over-communication? What mm-hmm. about where you're just you develop a feedback loop. What are some of the things that you think people should stay away from that you've seen that maybe it's gone too far? Oddly enough, (laughs) over-communication is not usually one of the biggest problems that that I've seen um, with the clients that I've worked with. But um, definitely, again, that gets back to, you can always use the brand as as the talking points to go back to, if someone starts to ask a very sensitive question about, oh, well, if people, you know, are people going to be laid off? Are, you know, what, what is this strategic intent? And, and the, um, the leadership team can always talk about the fact that, you know, we can't answer that right now because the future is uncertain and our plan, our vision, our brand, what we're hoping to build is this. Uh, but I can't answer that specific question right now. So as long as you can still go back to the, to the brand messaging and talk about why this uh, particular transaction is necessary, it's going to be good for that particular stakeholder that you're talking to and what you hope it's going to do for, you know, for the organization, you can, I don't want to say you can sidestep sensitive questions, but you can honestly say, I don't have an answer to that, but let's focus on where, where we're trying to go. Well, and that helps a lot for consistency of the message, because right. if the CFO is saying, yes, I can answer that question, but the CEO says, we're not addressing that right now, Mike and, and, and Sue get together in the water cooler, and why are you getting that information, but I'm not? Or as customers, why are you getting access to the information that I'm not? Do they find you more important? Oh, I guess I'm not as important to them. Yeah. yeah. What well, are some of your, put you on the spot here, what are some of your pet peeves that you've seen that we haven't already spoke about, like the big yeah. pet peeves that kind of drive you nuts? The big pet peeves that drive me nuts is just assuming that the employees from the other organization are going to have no problem with this change that's coming up. It's like, well, you know, they still have a job. Why are they upset? Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. uh, no, that's not the right attitude. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it certainly doesn't in, you know, 
foster any kind of employee loyalty. And again, going back to if one of the reasons you're acquiring this firm is to get access to its people, then you need to make sure you treat those people with respect uh, and communicate with them. So, so that's one of the biggest pet peeves I have. Um, the other pet peeve, and I don't know if it's not you know a pet peeve, but like you were talking about earlier, I would love to come in before closing day. I, I would love to come in and start working so that it hasn't closed and then people start saying, all right, come in and help us with the messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, because now it's, you've lost kind of an exciting opportunity where you could have really come out of the gate with that information right up front to stop mm-hmm. any negative rumors or comments or people venting online. Well, um, and that message is already, already almost designed. It's uh, messaging will start on its own. It doesn't right. need you. So if you get ahead of it. Yeah then it can really save millions of dollars. I mean, 60 to 83%. You got to send me where you got that number. If you're making it up, I I won't call you out. I will will send you the stats on that. So you are a stats and analysis person. So I do trust you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm surprised by that number. It's on the higher end, but it is uh, 100%. These are things that are occurring. They're, They're constant conversations. And I don't think enough brands are doing this right out of the gate from the get-go. So you're talking about that, yeah, before closing, let's have that. I'd love to get you in front of clients that I work with the day that they say, hey, we're thinking about doing acquisition. Great, you need to go talk to Sue or a branding or strategy person for the next 15 to 30 days so -hmm. that when you come to us, we know exactly what you're looking for, who you're looking for, the services, the clients, the customers, because that would make our job you know, just phenomenally more efficient. Right, right. Well, the other thing too is, you know, you're not selling your company as the acquirer, but in a way you are. Um, you're talking to yeah, another organization and saying, hey, let's merge or let us or let me acquire you. That's a you'd very better good point. Have, you'd better have a great brand story to tell those people. Otherwise they may just balk and say, no, I don't want anything to do with this deal. Um, I love that you point that out because it's not something I thought about is that, what in our business, we have management calls and people call them other things, but these are really introductory calls. The first real calls between the two executive teams or the two CEOs, whatever you, whatever it may be. And more often than not, the best deals come from the acquiring company, the mm-hmm. parent company, let's call them, when they're selling and sharing their brand vision and mission, they do it well, they know it. And I've seen what look like phenomenal opportunities fall apart because they just don't have that messaging in place. Right. They think that because they're the ones with the checkbook, they don't have to sell the other person. Right. But especially in that small and even to a certain extent, the midsize market, there's emotion wrapped up in your organization. So a lot of times the owner uh, who may still be the founder is kind of looking at it like, you know, maybe this makes financial sense, but I don't want to do business with you. I don't want to take my employees and my customers and, and offer them up to you in this exchange because I feel very uncomfortable about your brand or what you stand for or how are you going to treat my people. Um, and, and so I think it's, it really does, it really does um, make a difference if the acquiring company has a great story to tell. So, and, and I think you, I think we definitely came full circle because it all breaks down to protecting and building goodwill. 
yes. goodwill being that reputation that these two companies have spent maybe 20, 30, 50, 100 years building. Yeah. And, and now that you could lose so much of that goodwill or let's say slow it down or have a temporary lull in, in, that, in that space and you, you've got to rebuild and build back up. Right. So that's, well, I really appreciate going through this because I think it's a very important message that, uh, especially in a hot market that we have right now, people don't feel like they have time for this. Right. And, but when you look at that statistic and you look how easy this can be, if you just get ahead of it yeah. and the, the ROI from that, it seems like an, a no brainer, but. Right. Exactly. And like you said, if you're not even going to do the full research and all that, at least talk to someone like me who says, let's walk through the communication plan. Let's yeah. just spend a couple hours and, and talk through how you're going to communicate and what the message is going to be. And that is going to be huge steps forward and how this integration happens um, than if you were to do nothing. So an hour with Sue will get you through. <laughs> I like that. I like you know, that very much. <laughs> you can tell I'm a, a marketing guy too, but I'm more, yeah, it exactly. sounds more like PBS marketing than, than, uh, than you know, kind of the, what is it, the Mad Men of yes, marketing? It's Mad not Men. as sophisticated. Yes. So last few seconds here, what are some things you're working on? What are you out there doing? What do you enjoy the most? Just share us about your brand. Like share us okay, about awesome. you. I mean, not a commercial, but yeah. you know, what are you doing out there? I'm doing a couple different things, especially what happened during the pandemic um, was I had a lot of people come to me and say, I need to rebrand. Either my customer base is disappearing um, or they've been hard hit and I need to now move into another market in order to maintain the same type of sales we're doing, but no one knows us in this new market. Um, or they may say, you know, we were, we were kind of moving along at a nice clip going up and then now all of a sudden things have stalled and we realized we haven't updated our website. We haven't looked at our brand. We haven't looked at our messaging in like five, 10 years since we started and it's no longer even relevant. So what I'm doing for a lot of companies is helping them rebrand, is helping them really focus in on who is their ideal customer, validate what their position is in the marketplace now, and then work with the executive team to say, all right, you told me you want your brand to be A, but your customers in the validation interview said it's really B. So how do we bridge that gap? Or do you love B? And you just didn't think that was something that you could, could claim you know, that you offered as part of your brand. And, and let's put that messaging together so that you can A, make a better first impression if you're going into a brand new market or B, go back to your existing customers and say, hey, don't leave me. I'm, you know, this is the value that we offer you. And then the other flip side of that that I've been working on is a lot of small and mid-sized businesses actually any business now, but even before the pandemic, I was helping companies do employer branding because they were having a hard time attracting talent because they were saying, we're, we're trying to, our growth is being stymied by our ability to bring new people into our organization, but we're small. Nobody's ever heard of us. Um, they may or may not have been even telling people that they were hiring, um, but I can come in and I can help them do my branding process, but focus internally on why is this a great place to work? Uh, you know, who is going to thrive here and what opportunities are available? And then how do you get that message out and use your existing employees as brand ambassadors to find the right person to refer in as a potential employee? Yeah. And that's, that's actually critical. I like the pieces you're bringing up because in terms of employee, employer to employee, we're in a buyer's market. And what was it? The great resignation, I think. Great resignation, yeah. And, and so having your messaging that goes into your 
your your job rec and your advertisements. And when people reach out, everybody knowing who the company is, what we're looking for, what's our value. Uh, yes, we we love work life balance. I think yeah. is a is is very critical. And people understand going back to what you said prior to this. People understand rebranding as well. But you're talking about a different type of rebranding, given what we've gone through. And I imagine there's been some tweaks to the rebranding. There has been, because like I said, certain certain industries that they were selling into may have disappeared or, you know, people who are selling into hospitality um, and things like that, you know, it'll come back eventually, but it's not, you're not going to hold or put your business on hold until they, they come back and get stronger. So where else can you look? Um, and if you're going into a brand new market, well, then what's the competition? How are you going to position yourself against that competition? Um, and then how do you talk about how um, you're, you're different than the competitive offerings that are there and, and what value, what unique value can you offer um, to stand out and grab attention? And some of that may be that maybe your messaging was great, but you just haven't been marketing yourself yeah. prior, prior to the pandemic. You know, I had a, a CEO was talking to me um, and he was saying, you know, it's I hate marketing because it's so hard to find my clients. And I was like, OK, well, what are you doing is marketing? He's like, well, really not anything. I'm like, well, then it's not hard to find your clients. You're the one who's hard to find. <laughs> so it's because, you know, you're the best kept secret to yourself. Yeah, it's uh, like my it's like my kids. I can't find my shoes. Did you look? Well, no, but I can't find them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you even exactly. know what shoes you're looking for? Well, no. <laughs> Right, when did you here. last have them? Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's a good question too, doesn't it? I think the kid analogy really works. When did yes. you last have them? Yes. Who were you looking for? Yes, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, it is. It's definitely a, you know, we've got to be, we've got to be bigger, not bigger and better, but we've got to be different because maybe what our customer base is looking for post pandemic is a little bit more stability, or maybe it's a little bit more, um, you know, pricing tiers or whatever it is, but you can look internally and say, what can we do differently to make sure that we don't lose any of our customers when the economy gets kind of wonky? Um, and part of that is saying, what are, what's our brand? What do we stand for? And are there additional services or there places in our customer journey touch points that we could enhance and make a little bit better and stronger? And that's what's going to help us keep our customer. Yeah. And I think people, some people have believed that this this change in our environment where the customer and the employees that they have a right or such an impression upon the effectiveness of the company as a whole, like that would kind of disappear. But we're just seeing more and more and more that the consumers have a massive impact in terms of feedback and engagement and sharing. And, you know, if you don't have all those pieces aligned, talking about M&A, things, you're just going to have a lot of pain points. Right. So exactly. Get your house in order and, and get all this pinned down. Right. Exactly. And, and with rebranding, I mean, some of the big initiatives that are out there now that companies are going to have to live up to or, or at least address is sustainability. There's a whole ton of customers out there that are like, you know, what are you doing for the environment? How are you impacting the climate and, and our community? And you're going to have to address that and talk about it with your brand. Or, you know, there's, um, especially with the millennial workforce, they want to work for a company that's socially conscious, that, that does community work, that, that does good in, in um, the community and things like that. So you're going to have to communicate that. You're going to have to make that part of your employer brand. Um, and it may even attract certain customers as well. So you can talk about it externally. 
It's just like your financials. None of that should be guesswork. It should yeah. be you know strategic and laid out. Yes. Well, thank you very much. This was thank you. I really enjoyed this. I'm going to push this from the mountaintops because a lot of people need to hear it. But I enjoyed it too. Uh, we'll have more of these conversations. I appreciate your time. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you very All much. Right, Take care. Bye bye.